Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. All right, say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's begin by reading the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, There thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Now in general, I think most of us that have been walking with the Lord for a while know that Matthew 25 is a parable about the church. This nobleman that goes to a far country and leaves behind the servants with these talents is a type of the church which was left behind when Jesus was raised from the dead and went to sit at the right hand of the Father. And he said, I'll be there for a while, for a pretty long time. And it's been about 2,000 years. And so this is a metaphor for how the church should be aware that they will be judged and held accountable for how they use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given unto them. Amen? Glory to God. So with that in mind, that's sort of the whole theme of what we're going to talk about this morning. So the word translated as talents in the King James actually refers to a Greek monetary denomination. It's actually a weight. A talent was a bag of gold or silver coins that weighed 75 pounds. So even just one talent was a considerable amount of money. 
It had weight. It had value. And that's the way we should feel about the gift of God that's been given unto us. It has weight. It has value in the eyes of the master. Maybe you're comparing your gift with somebody else's gift, and Jesus is saying, cut it out. Your gift has weight and it has value. If you will operate in that gift in the unique way that only you can, you'll do more for me than you will if you compare yourself to others. Amen? Glory to God. Now, I think it's more than coincidental that the King James refers to talents, thus making the parable a perfect metaphor for the individual gifts and talents that the Lord has given unto us. Amen. I just don't think that's an accident. Oh, that's just coincidental. Listen, it's not a coincidence. It's a very obvious metaphor for the gifts and talents and abilities that God has entrusted unto us. He wants us to know we will be held responsible and we will be rewarded according to how well we operated in the gifts that He's given unto us. Amen? I, for one, want reward. It's not wrong to be a spiritual man or woman and say, I want reward. I want to be rewarded. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. You operated in the gift of God that I gave unto you. You ran your race and you finished your course with joy. Amen. Now enter into the joy that I have for you and the reward that I have for you. Glory. So talents means talents. And it's obvious in the context of the parable that their master bestowed these talents to his servants and expected them in this context to trade in the financial markets and cause the money to grow. And this is a type of the fruit that Jesus wants us to bear when we employ our talents in the service of our king. So regardless of the number of gifts that the Lord has entrusted unto us, there will always be increase if you employ them God's way. Let me say that again. When we employ the gift of God, God's way, there will always be increase. Amen. Hallelujah. Finally, when we return with Jesus to rule and reign with him on the earth during the thousand year millennial reign of Christ, we will be held accountable and we will be rewarded according to how well we walked in the gifts and callings of God that were given unto us. Amen. In this life. I like the way Joe Morris puts it. He's an end times preacher that I know out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joe Morris says it like this. Whether you realize it or not, you're writing your resume right now in this life for what you'll do for the Lord in the next life. So if you want a good assignment in the millennial reign, run your race. Operate in your gift. Complete your course. Amen. I don't want to be the chief dog catcher of New Hanover County. You know, I want something greater than that. So what can we learn from the parable of the talents? We will be held accountable and rewarded for how we use the gifts, talents, and abilities that the Lord has entrusted unto us. Speaking of gifts, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and 7 in the New King James Version This is Paul giving advice to his protege, Timothy. He says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Now, just about every Christian that I know that's been walking with the Lord for any length of time has that verse memorized. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. You hear it all the time. But what most people don't realize is that verse is attached to the previous verse, which is talking about being bold to operate in the gift of God that is in you. He's saying, don't be afraid to operate in that gift because God has given you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen. Glory to God. I felt the anointing on that. And maybe it was just for me, but I felt the anointing on that. Praise the Lord. So, so just as Paul exhorted his protege Timothy to stir up the gift of God that was imparted to him personally by laying on of hands, I'm exhorting you and I'm exhorting myself to boldly step out in the gifts that God has given unto us. Amen? And oh, by the way, they can be augmented and amplified through the gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. The gifts of the Spirit will help you walk in your gift. Everybody know what I mean by that? The gifts of the Spirit, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, are given as the Spirit wills, right? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, working of miracles, healings, special gift of faith, discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Those are all gifts that can be imparted to you as the Spirit wills to help you walk in the gift and calling of God for your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Ricky is an evangelist. He's a five-fold minister. And he has words of knowledge, words of wisdom that operate consistently in his life along with gift of healing and working of miracles. Why? Because that's his gift and those gifts help him operate in that gift. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So whether you're called to the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, Ephesians 4.11, or whether your gifts lie elsewhere in Scripture, motivational or body ministry gifts that are mentioned in Romans 12, or in the ministry of administration and helps, you are responsible for boldly walking in the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given unto you. Get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, you are responsible to use the gift of God in you. Remind yourself, amen. So I want to read a parable that is very similar to the parable of the talents. Bible scholars call it the parable of the pounds. Luke chapter 19, verse 11 to 23. And as they heard these things, he's talking about Jesus. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now I want to stop right there. This is the triumphal entry of Jesus into the gate beautiful on Palm Sunday. And everybody there thought he was coming in to set up the kingdom of God on the earth. Isn't that right? And so he's taken this opportunity to correct them because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So what he's going to share in this parable is, hey, the reason I'm coming the first time is I'm coming to lay a spiritual foundation for a spiritual kingdom and put the spirit of God inside the heart of man. And that'll lay the groundwork for a physical kingdom that I'll come back for at the appointed time, long time off. He said, it's not going to be for a while, 2,000 years and counting. Amen. So he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds. Each pound, in this case, is uh, the Greek word there is mina. 
and a mina is about 60 shekels of silver. So not quite as much money is in the parable of the talents, but still, you know, more money than these guys probably had ever had before. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Whoo, glory. I can hardly say that without getting excited. Amen. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Well, that's a pretty good return on your investment. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Whoa, wait a minute. Hold the phone. What are we talking about cities here? What's this about? This parable differs in that it gives a little bit more specification about what you'll rule over. Matthew 25 says, You've been faithful over very little. I'll make you ruler over much. Now we get to Luke 19. He said, Hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Be thou over ten cities. So we learn from this parable that we will be rewarded in the millennial reign with a realm of authority based on how well we operated in the gifts and callings of God that were given unto us. Amen. That's why I say I want to be more than the chief dog catcher of New Hanover County. I want to have a realm of authority that reflects a life of fruitfulness. Now, none of us do it perfectly. God knows that. He knows we're human. But He also knows He's given the supernatural power of God to these human vessels so we can do supernatural things. I don't believe we should keep saying, I'm only human. Really, you know, when you think about it, and I like the way Andrew Wong puts this, one-third of you is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. You are very superhuman. You are supernatural. Amen. You have more power than you can imagine. The man that led me to the Lord in the 1970s, he said, Scott, if you could see in the spirit realm what you look like in the spirit realm and the, the authority that you have, you would probably be too conceited to be useful to God. <laughs> so he doesn't let you see that. Okay. You have to dig it out of the scriptures. Amen. Hallelujah. One time, and this is, I don't know, this has probably been about a year or so ago, I had a vision. I'm just... And sitting on the couch, I think I was, and I just, you know how you just sort of drift off? And I drifted off for just a few moments, and I had a vision. And in the vision, I'm sitting at a table, and I'm wearing a, a coat of armor, and it's silver, and some of the plates are gold, and I'm sitting there polishing my armor, you know? Wow, this is cool, you know? Look at my armor, you know? And I heard the Lord say to me, get up and start using the armor that I gave unto you. It's not so that you'll look pretty and that you'll think highly of yourself. There's a purpose. Get up and start using the armor of God for my purposes. So I, I, I got straight on that. I said, Lord, I'm not going to be conceited about it at all. But it sure was pretty armor. <laughs> it was cool looking. Well, help me get back on track, Lord Jesus. So we see that. We're talking about a realm of authority here. And the second came, verse 18, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I've kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee because thou art an austere man. 
Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. Now this is very similar to what the Lord said in Matthew 25. Basically, look, the least you could have done is put the money into the money exchange and gained a little interest. Here he says, at least you could have put it in the bank and earned a little interest. If you were too fearful to go into the financial markets, at least you could have done that. Okay? And I won't even get into this unfaithful servant because I don't believe there's a person in here that fits that category. I just don't believe it. I believe everybody in here wants to do their level best to operate in the gifts and callings of God that he's placed on you. You want to be the person God called you to be so that you reach the people God called you to reach. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that our heart? That's, that's everybody. A serious believer. I've never met a serious believer that doesn't want to do the will of God for their life. In fact, 90% of believers spend too much time worrying about, am I in the will of God? You know? Chances are you are, and if you aren't, he is well able to get it over to you. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this is very similar to the parable of the talents that we just discussed, but there are notable differences. The most interesting difference I've already alluded to is this. The parable of the pounds makes it clear that we will be rewarded for using our gifts and talents in this life with a realm of authority, actual authority, in the millennial reign of Christ. You know, Jesus meant it when he said, we will rule and reign with him. He meant that. We're going to rule and reign with him. Okay? And the degree that you rule and reign with him depends on how well you operate in the gifts and callings of God that he's placed on you in this life. Amen. So, run your race, finish your course. Be the person God called you to be. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Bema seat of Christ, you know, the judgment seat of Christ, it's nothing to be afraid of. I know Christians that quake in their boots at the thought of standing before Jesus. I say, listen, if you've done all that you can do, again, nobody does it perfectly. If you've done all that you can do and you have strived to run the race that the Lord laid before you, you're not going to get anything but reward when you come there before the Lord. It's going to be a medal ceremony, you know, only if you squander your gift. Only if you spend your days doing what you want to do and not what the Lord wants to do and never take one step down the path that he had for you, only then will you have the Louisiana hayride. The wood, hay, and the stubble will be burned up. Amen. You know, I spent 25 years in Louisiana, so that has a particular meaning to me. So when I think about the beam of seat and the gold and the silver tried with fire, now that's what I want right there. I don't want the hayride. I want the gold and the silver. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. So it makes it clear that we're talking about a realm of authority, ruling and reigning, which is, listen to me, which is a picture of victory, a picture of occupation. After Jesus and his armies have conquered and subdued all the armies of the world. Amen. Revelation 19 said, I saw him that sat on the white horse. He had eyes like flames of fire. His hair was white. He had a vesture dipped in blood. And on his thigh was written, Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen. And there was an army behind him also on white horses. Guess who that is? That's us. Contemplate this. Just meditate on this today. 
Somewhere in heaven, there's some stables, and there's a flying horse with your name written on him. Amen? Now, whether he has wings or not, I don't know, but I do know he can fly, and he can traverse space and time and different dimensional realities. That's the kind of horse I want. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. So with that in mind, in Luke 19, 13, it should come as no surprise that the king in this parable issues the following mandate for his servants. Occupy till I come. In other words, learn to rule and reign while I'm gone so you'll be ready to rule and reign when I return. Amen. Hallelujah. So just to kind of get a feel for that phrase, occupy till I come, I want to look at other translations, how they translate it. Luke 19, 13. The English Standard Version says, engage in business until I come. NIV says, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But the King James, I love the King James. I'm sorry. I, I just love the King James. Occupy till I come. Let's talk about the word occupy for just a few minutes. Occupy in the Greek. As you might have guessed by now, in the Greek, the word occupy can be roughly translated as get busy. And in the context of both of these parables, you might translate the phrase occupy till I come like this. Take what I have given you, get busy, engage and invest in the financial markets, and make money for your king. Amen. We should use the gifts and callings that he has given unto us to produce much fruit for our king. Amen. But you know what? Occupy in the English has a completely different meaning. Now, as a former military officer, this means something to me. Occupy in the English is a military term. It means to take ground from the enemy and hold it. Amen. 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 Napoleon Bonaparte was not a great theologian, but he was a great military strategist and tactician, and he put it this way. The object of war is victory, but the object of victory is occupation. Occupy till I come. Amen. Listen, after World War II, we occupied Germany and Japan. And 72 years later, we still have troops over there. But over the past 70 years, I think you'd agree with me that those regions, those countries have undergone a fundamental transformation because of our occupation. Amen. It should be the same way when it comes to the things of God. We should occupy until we see transformation in our community in the name of Jesus. So regardless of how soon you believe Jesus is coming back, there's a very clear mandate communicated unto us through the parable of the talents and the parable of the pounds. Jesus is saying to us, use the gifts that I've given unto you to occupy till I come. Until the Lord comes back to this earth to set up His earthly kingdom, we are to be an occupying force. It's way past time that the church started acting like an occupying force, pushing back the darkness and bringing in the light. Along those lines, He said, Occupy till I come. He didn't say, Find a bunker, store up ammunition and food, and hide until I come. He didn't say that. That is not a picture of the victorious church. He said, Occupy till I come. We are to engage in the marketplace of our world, our city, our state, our nation. Amen. We are to produce much fruit for the king. So let's believe God for hundreds and thousands to be saved, healed, 
filled and delivered. Starting here in Wilmington, amen? Not only delivered, but clothed and fed, hallelujah, by the mercy and the love of God. So let's commit to do that as a church and as individuals in 2018. Let's be an occupying force and let's transform this region. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And he's coming back again.